When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Natural Hat Trick with Luke Lipinski, Craig Morgan, and Jamie Eisner. Welcome to episode 260 of the Natural Hat Trick podcast alongside Craig Morgan. The Natty Hattie. And Jamie Eisner. The Saddy Hattie. Oh, I'm Luke Lipinski, and I have a fleet of ducks with me. I want that to be noted early and often in the show. And also, already been tweeted, Luke. Oh, okay. Well, and then we've got uh, we've got Olfie. You can't really see him, but you can hear him. And we have the unnamed uh, super penguin duck. That uh, we'll name him after the next Penguin Stanley Cup. So he might be nameless for a while. How long did it take you to find replacements on the internet? Replacements for what? The original ducks. No, no, these are the originals. Now, granted, four of them are missing. I will give you that. I thought you meant a replacement for Jamie. But we can get into that later on in the show. Um, let's start with the Stanley Cup, which has been awarded to the Tampa Bay Lightning. I don't know why I'm talking like this. By the way, I went font crazy on the show notes this week. I I don't know if you noticed that. uh, Yeah. It's already crazy with the fonts for Jamie's. Well, it's not really his last show, but we'll get into that more later. It feels like his last show. It feels sad. I think what we should do is not let him talk the whole time on his feel, Instead of drinking out of the cup, I feel like crying into the cup because Jamie's Aww. leaving us. <laughs> I feel like having a boat parade because Jamie's leaving. Us, so, <laughs> By the way, has there been a cooler cup celebration than that? No, no. That was pretty I, I, awesome. I love that. Whatever Montreal did when they won the cup in 93 to decide that no Canadian team gets to win the cup for another 50 years or whatever, maybe that was cool. But this, this in itself... You can only have, what, the Lightning? I guess maybe the Kings could have done something like this. But uh, credit to the Lightning. It's, they, they deserved it. I'm very impressed. Now, looking back, I feel like we can say this without any risk of, like, getting burned by it tomorrow or something. They, um, they did it. They, they played out the entire playoffs with zero positive tests. It's, that in itself is remarkable, but they put together a format that ultimately crowned, I think, the best team in the league, the champions. So it wasn't some weird... Like, let's just put something together at the last second. It was, it was thought out, and it ultimately played out probably the way it should have. Yeah, and everybody's fear is that this was going to be a bizarre year where a team that didn't deserve to win would win the Cup. Well, that, that didn't happen. And as we said early on, look, especially with the teams that had to play a qualifying round, that's a really long run. It, it takes its toll on you. So I didn't think that any team was going to come out of the qualifying round. Um, and Tampa made sure of that, of course. Yeah, yeah and th- there's a lot of storylines that come out of this one Great point, Luke. Uh, considering where we were when this postseason started uh, and the uncertainty of the sports world and everything for them to go through this entire run with no positive tests is, is remarkable. 
Uh, and the fact that we did get a the best team in the league, or at least one of the best, depending on where you where you thought they were when they came into the postseason, wins the cup. Uh, this could not have gone any better. Uh, and this, this was a very un-NHL-like run here where they were put in a really bad spot and between being able to extend the CBA, handle the Olympic stuff, have a COVID-less bubble, and still have one of the elite teams crown the Stanley Cup champions. I don't know how this is not like an A++ run for them under unbelievably difficult circumstances. Yes, it, round of applause you, for the NHL. It took you 260 episodes to finally say good point, Luke. And that's really the only reason I've been doing this podcast for the last five years. So that's all right, everybody. And that's it. I'm still waiting actually. So don't hold your breath. Um, I think that, you know, you you look at now the way this all played out and we've talked about this on the show before, but, you know, being at the award show last year and, and how much that was still impacting the Tampa Bay players two and a half months after they got that first round elimination at the hands of Columbus, this was really the only way to undo that. And I don't remember who tweeted it out, so I apologize. But somebody tweeted out, it's, it's oddly refreshing to see basically the same team, like personnel-wise, that got swept by Columbus last year come back and win the whole thing this year. It's not like they went out and added two major pieces. I mean, they added pieces at the deadline, but it's not like they went out and added Nikita Kucherov from a different team or something or Victor Hammond. It's the same group. Yeah. Kudos to Luke Shen, by the way, for making a good choice for where to go. Yeah. And also for, for apparently riding in the same boat as Steven Stamkos and Victor had been during the parade. So he was, he said, I, he said he hoisted the cup probably 100 times. Yeah. <laughs> cool story for, for a really good dude. Yeah. Really, yeah. really good guy. That, that's one of those guys you pull for. I mean, I, I know around here we pull for most of the former coyotes. I'll say most, not all, but, uh, but he's definitely on that list of the most that you really actually really, really pull for. So good. for so Can him. the lightning be a dynasty guys? Uh, can this be a dynasty? I, I, I Probably not. Um, just law of averages tells you not. It's going to be a weird season next year. Cap crunch coming. It's hard to say any of these teams can be a dynasty because the reality is, is this, in the context of how they were building, this would have needed to be cup, at least cup two. Yeah. yeah. For them to truly be a dynasty. I, I think you're still getting issues with, I mean, they will do it out without mostly Steven Stamkos during this run, but you know, his long injury history, you know, their guys are young, but they're not super young. Uh, they're not, you know, this is a team that's not quite in the same spot as some of the other dynasties that we have seen. I, they're obviously extremely talented. They're going to go into next season as probably the most, if not, you know, one of the most, if not the most talented teams in the NHL. We talked on the show a couple of weeks ago about how there's really not a lot of powerhouses in the East and they would be one of them. So yeah, it's possible they go on a run, but this doesn't feel like a team is currently constructed. That's going to win three four cups like i i i'm not ready to say that yet uh but they've got some work to do this offseason uh, as you mentioned there's there's a cap crunch coming you know, some of the names that you think about the guys that are not, not necessarily old players but getting up there a little bit in age like a, a ryan mcdonough or an alice Kalorn or maybe even like a tyler johnson are guys that could be moving on for them to make the other moves that they need to make you look at their blue line they have five right-handed defensemen who are all free agents of some sort, four UFAs and one RFA, which is just crazy when you look at that. They've, they've got to make some moves, obviously, to fill out that roster. But in order to do so, they've got to move some guys out. Yeah, I think it really does come down to what your definition of a dynasty is in 2020. I mean, it's not yeah. the same as... Probably as Cup era dynasty, right? Or a, yeah. a Cap era dynasty. I, I think, think it's definitely. three. It's, it's got to be three. 
and I think Jamie hit it on the head right there. This needed to be at least their second, and it should have been. They they should have won one in the last couple of years. I do think they'll win another one, or they'll though I think they'll at least get back there. I mean, my pick for next year is Colorado, and that's before they've added some of the pieces. I think they're going to add. But if you if you told me I have to pick what the Stanley Cup matchup is right now, I'd say Colorado and Tampa Bay. Um, I think they could certainly win it next year. They could certainly win it the following year, but I don't think they're going to win two or three in a row. You know what I mean? Maybe two. I wouldn't shock me if they won next year because we don't even know when next season starts. (laughs) Or or if. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know when or if next season is starting. But, I mean, I think they they, we agree they were the best team, right? And we all had them in the cup 12 months ago when the season started. Yeah. So for a change, we were right. Yeah. Which is nice. It feels good. (laughs) It It feels weird. Feels like a good time um, to go out, you know, just say right, goodbye exactly. to Jamie and retire on top, picking the uh, the Stanley Cup mm-hmm. winner. Mm-hmm. Um, do we want to get into the Coyote stuff right here? Do we want to get into the potential Oliver Ekman Larson stuff? I hesitate to say his name because we tend to uh, we tend to set the agenda. Yeah, we foreshadow news when we do this show, but his name's getting bounced around a lot out there right now. Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm. Vancouver needs help on its blue line, but I just, when I look at Vancouver, I, I don't know what the Coyotes are going to get back from Vancouver that makes this an equitable trade. That, that's my big issue because you're, you're obviously not getting Pedersen or Hughes. Uh, you, we were just talking about this off the air. I doubt you're getting, you know, Brock Besser or Bo Horvat. I, I'd like to have one of those pieces back, but if you're not getting any of that back, why are you trading OEL? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And you had a story up on your site uh, earlier this week, I want to say Wednesday, um, where you, you can explain it. There's no point in me explaining your story. But essentially, you talk to a lot of people around the league, and they all sort of confirmed what I feel like the three of us have been saying, whether it was on the air or not, that he's, his value seems to be a lot higher around the league than it is with at least part of the Coyotes fan base right now, which is sort of surprising to me. There's this thought that he's like the reason they're losing all these games. And if you have teams like Boston and Vancouver lining up and knocking on your door to make offers for him, those are yeah. pretty successful teams, especially Boston, who seems to be at the top of the list. I feel like Boston knows what they're doing. Yeah. And it, I, I guess the question with, with it, there, there's a lot of facets to this trade story. Um, can OEL get back to that level, first of all, if, he's, if he stays in Arizona? I don't know if he can under Rick Tockett, under, you know, under an ownership group that has made it plain to a lot of people that they want to trade him. So if you're OEL and you know that ownership wants to trade you and the, and the uh, coach doesn't feel that you're the right captain for his team, well, why wouldn't you go at that point? And, and I don't know that he can thrive in that sort of system or situation. On the flip side, you know, as, as a bunch of those people told me, it was scouts, it was people all over the league, um, They feel like if he goes to another team, if he goes to the right situation, we could see the old OEL in a heartbeat. And if that happens and the Coyotes don't get a boatload in return, no pun intended, they could look really bad in this trade. Because if he ends up being, you know, he's only 29. And I know a lot of people believe that the maximum or, or the best ages are between 23 and 27 now in the NHL. But I think NHL defensemen go longer than that. I think OEL is a terrific skater. He's the type of player who I think can have a longer career. And if he regains his old form, man, what did you just give away? You, you possibly gave away a top defenseman, which is almost impossible to find or replace. Well, and I think, I think you hit on it in there. The key in your story, I don't remember who it was that told you, but they're like, yeah, he's, he's going to be a great skater when he's 50. Now it doesn't make you a great player, obviously, but yeah, I think OEL has got some years left in him. And I do think there's a chance that he can rejuvenate his career if he gets traded or even here, 
but you know, I, I do understand some of the, the, at least the thinking behind, should we trade him? And, and you know, that's not where I've ever been on this. And I, I wouldn't trade him unless I get some amazing offer. But if you are trying to rebuild things a little bit, who are your, your obvious trade chips? One is Oliver Ekman Larson. One, unfortunately, is Darcy Kemper. I'm not saying I would deal them, but those are probably where every team that calls you is going to start when they're asking for pieces. But the key is you need to get pieces back. And I, and mm-hmm. I don't know Bill Armstrong yet. I like his energy. I like some of the stuff he said. I do like what others say about him. And I, especially if he had been here for a year and was trying to make this trade, I have a lot more confidence in, in where it's going to go. But you don't just trade him to trade him. You need to be getting, I think, a number one center, at least in the sense of he's your clear number one center and you're never bouncing back and forth between Dvorak and Stepan and from game to game. Whoever you get back for Oliver Ekman Larson should be your, your center, number one, every single game. The issue here, though, as I look at this, is what it, if you're going into a full rebuild, your current contract situation doesn't necessarily and draft pick situation does not necessarily lend itself to that. They're kind of caught in between right now, which is based on the you know the the longer term deals they've done for young players, hoping they progress into them. And there's been mixed a mixed bag of value there. Um, I think we look at those a lot more favorably. A, if Chica was still currently the GM, and B, if Clayton Keller was holding up his end of the bargain for his particular deal, I think those all would be packaged more favorably. But you're kind of in a weird spot where you're going to try to go. If you go into a full rebuild, you're punting next season completely at this rate, and and then you're still going to have to find the same things you're looking for now. You still don't have a number one center that you trust on the roster. You know, you're asking a whole heck of a lot if you think Barrett Hayton's going to be that guy in a traditional number one center role. He, I don't think he's going to be that type of a player. So you're still then you're going to be searching for if you move Ekman Larson for that top cornerstone defenseman. If you move Kemper, you're going to be looking for that starting goalie. So you still have all the holes you have now. It's not like we just need to buy time till this prospect comes up. Like they're not in that scenario. Their system isn't exactly stocked with prospects. And those deals that you have with those young guys don't lend themselves to doing a four or five year rebuild in a traditional sense. So I don't know what this would accomplish. Now, if somebody just knocks your socks off with an awesome offer that you can't refuse, then yes, nobody on that team is, should be untouchable. But they're in a weird spot now where unless the goal is to curb expense in the short term, I'm not sure the long term goals of trading Ekman Larson, even for even market value which again, you can debate what that is, is going to give them the return that they need to actually rebuild. And so if you're not going to go into a full rebuild, moving your top defenseman and possibly your top goaltender is going to throw you back into that space with when your rest of your team is not really in that area to make you the most successful for doing that. So they're, they're, in, a, they're in a very interesting predicament right now. But if they start moving those, ros- those major roster pieces, I don't know how you can look at this as anything but a rebuild. They're not going to get NHL caliber players at that same level. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, you know, I don't think you're getting a number one center back for Oliver Ekman Larson, but you should be looking for at least a, a top defenseman or a, a good NHL defenseman. You should you should want a first round draft pick, and you probably want another piece if you're going to make this trade. But again, like when you, when we were talking about Vancouver in particular, what what does that trade look like? What what up there excites you? I mean, you can't get any defenseman from that blue line. That really is there a guy up there that gets you excited other than Quinn Hughes on that blue line and he's not moving and and then up front what what gets you excited? 
Yeah. yeah Pet- I mean, Pedersen, Besser, Horvat. I mean, the names we already discussed. There's there's yeah. nobody else. And, you know, you're I, not, you know, they're not. Besser is, is attainable, but I, of those four, he's the only one I think maybe Vancouver would trade there. I don't think they're trading any of those guys. Yeah. No. That's, that's their core. Because they're going to run into that same issue of they're not going to trade core pieces that are producing for them now to add another core piece to produce for them because they're at some point you just just you're just moving you know deck chairs like they're trying to get better which means they're going to trade prospects young guys veterans that they need to move out from their middle six and draft picks like that's that's what you would move if you're a contender right now to get these guys so I don't know like I I, like what is in it for Vancouver even even if Besser's attainable what what is in it for Vancouver to do a deal centered around Besser for Oliver Ekman Larson. Yeah. Are you really going to be a net positive come the end of the day? To me, you need to come out of this with some combination of a high draft pick, a at least a top two pairing defenseman, a scoring power forward, or and or a – I hear what you're saying, Craig. You're not going to get like a true number one center, but I think you need to have a center, like I said, that you, uh, as the Coyotes know, is your top center most nights. And I don't think any one of those things is enough. Like we've talked off the air. If they come out of this with the 26th pick in the draft for Oliver Ekman Larson, that does nothing for me. You need more than that. I understand you need picks, but the 26th pick in the draft could be a guy that never plays for you. Yeah. But that's the concern is, is you're going to trade Oliver Ekman Larson or Darcy Kemper to contenders. Like there's no other reason why they would go elsewhere. So those contenders yeah. are not going to move those types of pieces to bring in another piece here they'll move maybe young guys, young prospects or picks. And so, but if your goal is just to bring in a bunch of, you know, first and second round picks for these guys, that's, that would be fine and dandy if you were doing a true traditional rebuild. I'm not sure they're in a position to do that successfully right now. See, that's why Boston makes more sense to me too, because I think Boston has some pieces that the Coyotes could take back. You're talking about Brandon Carlo, Jake DeBrusque. Those are two nice pieces to acquire. And yeah, Look, they've already made it clear that Carlo's on the market. So you get a big physical defenseman and, and a, a wing that, you know, has some connection to the Valley that, that Rick Toggett loves. That might be a, a more logical trade partner. I just, again, I, I, I know I keep saying it, but I just don't get the Vancouver angle at all. Yeah, but the Boston one does make a lot of sense for what you just said. If it is Carlo and DeBrusque and a decent pick, then, mm-hmm. you know, then that's something. Then, then you are, you're both accomplishing. Both sides of, the, of that trade are accomplishing something. Uh, but, I mean, if you look at the Coyotes' blue line beyond this year, as it's currently set up, they really only have Oliver and Jacob Chikrin signed. You know That's what I mean? Exactly Everybody right. else is the UFA. So it's like, I don't know that you can trade Oliver and not get some sort of defenseman back. Maybe they don't trade him at all. I mean, and look, I mean, for next next year, you're assuming Victor Soderstrom's back there. But your blue line right now for 21-22 is currently OEL, Chikrin, and, and, uh, and Victor Soderstrom. And if you're talking about trading one of those guys, and another one of those guys has never played yet, there's a lot of risk right there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that, and they don't have the prospects coming up either. Right? Because it, you know, I'm not, and I'm not saying that these guys, either these guys were going to be elite defensemen, but they, I think they're NHL players. They traded Kevin ball. They traded PO Joseph. So you don't have a lot. You've got Soderstrom. You've probably got Kyle Capabianco as a third pair guy. That's, that's really all you've got in the system that you're certain of at this point. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's primarily the issue of where, where are these guys coming from? It's not like you're loaded with prospect talent and you can do some sort of quick pseudo rebuild, open up some lineup spots for these young guys to get experience. You don't have those pieces right now. And if you're just going to make these moves and then sign, you know, veterans just over the minimum, you're, you're not even, you're going to just continue to, you're going to 
be stuck in that like 10th, 11th in the conference purgatory and you're really not going to go anywhere, which makes the deals you sign with all, again, I know it's a different GM now, but the deals that were signed to all those young guys, the long-term makes them useless. The entire point of doing those long-term deals was that you're going to be moving into contention at that point and potentially getting significant value relative to the market price for those players. If you're just going to tear things down now completely and just bring in picks, there's no value to those deals. Because those deals are un, those deals are not movable right now for most of those guys. Chicklins would be, but you don't want to move him. You know, I think Dvorak and Schmaltz maybe, but like you don't want to move Dvorak. I, I don't know. think you want to move Dvorak. But you don't want to move those guys. But yeah. you also you're also going to blow the act. You're going to blow some of the value years of those deals by doing this. Like they're they're in a really they, they swung really hard this year and they missed for the most part, and mm-hmm. then the subsequent craziness that happened in the off season or I guess not off season leading into the postseason and then coming out of it, put them in a bad, they're in a bad spot right now. They're not in a good place and they're going to be in a worse place if they move Ekman Larson and Kemper, because I just, they're not in a position they're They're stuck in between right now. I think they're going to need some guys to step up or they're going to need to really win those trades because they, I feel like right now they're kind of stuck between, they can't really do a full rebuild. They're not a cup contender and I'm not sure how they can be, at present, anything more than a wild card caliber team right now. Yeah, and I agree with you. They got to win those trades. You you can't move those players without getting maximum return. Um, on that topic too, as long as you brought up Kemper, uh, you know, with I'm sure you guys have watching been watching the goalie market. Aside from the names that we're wondering if they're going to reach free agency, there are more and more names that are potentially on the market. Both the Columbus's goalies, Tuka Rask. I think because of that, those additions. The goalie market's just getting too flooded. I don't think the Coyotes are going to get any kind of return that they think they're going to get. on. Well, I, I think they already know that they're not going to get the return they want on Darcy Kemper. And, I, you know, if, if I had to predict this now, I'm leaning more toward believing they're not going to trade Darcy Kemper because of that. Yeah, you know, he doesn't make nearly as much as Oliver. You're going to have to pay a goalie either way. I mean, if you don't trade Kemper, maybe you're trying to trade Ranta. There's, there's a lot of ways where you could keep Kemper – if you're not going to – like, I, I feel like in that situation, they can be a little more picky. I mean, I think they should be picky if they try to – if they end up trading Oliver as well. But with Kemper in particular, that is that is absolutely – teams that are calling about him are teams that want to win the Stanley Cup next year and feel like they can. So you're really not getting much in terms of, of pick value. Maybe you just hold on to him. You're not shedding a lot of salary by dealing him. And even just having Kemper, as much as I like Oliver ekman Larson, and I think a lot of times he is underrated – We've seen a Kemper can just win you games because of the position he plays. So if you had to trade OEL, but you kept Kemper, it's a, it's such a strange spot because this team did just make the playoffs last year. So it's weird to look and say, okay, now time to tear it all down. They just made the playoffs, but the last two games of that series against Colorado and looking around at some of these other teams in the playoffs, make it pretty clear that, yeah, they've progressed, they may be hitting their wall, though, if they don't make some changes. And then you factor in the whole pandemic and everything, too, and what that does to every team financially, and now you're in this tough spot. Because I know a lot of people now retroactively are like, why did they trade for Taylor Hall? I like it when a team takes a swing every once in a while. They don't do this every year. They haven't really done it in 15 years. They traded for a very good player in his prime. It didn't work out. I don't think it was Taylor Hall's fault. But I like it when the team tries and goes for it a little bit. I think if they had just gone for it and then Hall signed somewhere else, if there wasn't the pandemic, I don't think they would be in this position they're in. But it's everything coming together, and some of it was unforeseen, and none of it had anything to do with Bill Armstrong. Now he steps in and has a very difficult job, 
and a difficult field to navigate. And he's got to do it very quickly because the draft is in four days. And that's where the that's where the unknown comes in because these aren't his guys. These aren't the deals he signed. These aren't the players he drafted. There's none of that. So you don't know what the personal feelings are about these players and where he in particular values them. Because I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to just run it back next year with this team and maybe if you're able to move one of those veteran contracts and you know you might not be able to get Hall back at this point, but move one of the veteran contracts out and bring in some other pieces. Like you can be you know, a team that can win a playoff round. I know you want more than that, but it's not like this team is a disaster as currently put together. But if you start moving these key pieces, it could quickly become that. But uh, yeah, I mean, the draft's in a few days. And am, am, correct me if I'm wrong, Craig, am, uh, it's Bill Armstrong and company. They're not participating in this? He's not participating, and neither is Daryl Plandowski, the yeah. new director of amateur scouting. So Plandowski's actually working for Tampa still for this draft. So it's, it's a little weird this year, but... I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how that is all running. Uh, Steve Sullivan, I think, is running the draft, but they're going to have to have some scouts at his side. It's just, it's just a bizarre situation. I wanted to go back to something that Luke said about, you know, when, when they made the Taylor Hall trade. The thing that drives me crazy about the analysis, the, the hindsight analysis, is that people ignore the context of the moment. And we've already talked ad nauseum about Darcy Kemper's injury how it happened one game after Taylor Hall arrived, and that clearly impacted the team. And we've also mentioned that they were in first place at the time of the trade. So you look at it through through that lens and say, okay, John Chica said they had earned the right to get another piece, so he went out and did it. But then you look at some of the other players. Like uh, at the time, Nick Schmaltz was playing really well. Nick Schmaltz was hot at the time. So they had a bunch of guys going where you could look and say, this team's, this team's really doing some things. So you kind of get why they made the moves at the time. It drives me crazy when people come back and just ignore all that context when they, they judge it after the fact. Yeah. Well, and, and you have to be, you have to separate this stuff. They're not, you know, they didn't trade away the second round pick this year and the first round pick next year. That wasn't part of that Taylor Hall trade. They're not in this position where they are at least in rumors about trading Darcy Kemper and Oliver Ekman Larson. None of that had to do with the Taylor Hall trade. This is a separate thing. And so you need, if you look at it and you're like, I'd rather have our first round pick this year. Well, so be it. But at a certain point, you know, if you want to move deeper into the playoffs, you have to go for it with a guy like Taylor Hall or somebody like that in, in the right, uh, in the right scenario. And they did it now uh, back to something you said there, Craig. I mean, as far as the direction they're going now, I have no problem with being um, associated with guys that were involved in scouting for St. Louis or Tampa. I mean, those are two teams that have a pretty nice track record recently. So to have that in the Coyotes front office now, it doesn't help you right now. It doesn't help you next week, but it's going to start helping you ideally next season. Yeah. And, and it, look, again, you never know until these guys actually do the job. But when you do the checking, you ask around the league, both of these guys are immensely respected for the jobs they have done, not just because they're great guys, because of the jobs that they have done. So the Coyotes have done all that they can to, to this point with these two hires to get the right guy in place. Again, it's going to come down to performance, but it looks right now like they made two good hires. We should, uh, I don't know how we've gotten this deep into the podcast without mentioning this. Craig, maybe you're not aware of it. Do you know that there, Jamie Eisner has his own logo at this point? Wait, what? I do yeah, not know this. I do. Is this on your Twitter handle? Uh, it is. You can find it there. Uh, cool. I'll send it to you as well. I can text it to you. I, I can find it off your Twitter. I'd rather screenshot it with some I gotta compromising, compromising view of you. you can, you can like just well, yeah, but I've been screenshotting you throughout this podcast to try and find <laughs> sure. compromising views. So Just, just, to, just for the memories? <laughs> the, the, N, right. the N in Eisner looks like 
nonlinear progression. It's like an arrow really? going yeah, up. That's and cool. It's amazing. It's fantastic. And nonlinear. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into more Coyote stuff later on in the show. Let's get into some of the just the random news and notes around the league. Henrik Lundqvist is not going to be with the New York Rangers next year. This is not a shock to people. But where do you think he ends up? I have no clue. It's just hard. It's hard to watch him get bought out after he stayed true to that organization for so long, right? It, you hear all the, the – it's a business. You hear that line over and over again. But, man, there's a few guys where you just – you wish it wouldn't happen to them, and he's one of them. Yeah. And there are definitely some images of Lundqvist over the last few years when the team around him was not very good. I remember when Pittsburgh won the Cup in 2016, they, they got through the Rangers in the first round finally – and the elimination game was just Pittsburgh. It was like a it was like a shootout line before a game. I mean, it was just them shooting on Lundqvist, and he was doing everything he could. There's that famous shot from the year they played the Kings in the Cup. I mean, they were in the Cup, so obviously the team was decent around him. But where he's just laying there, he did everything he could to try and give them a, a chance to beat the Kings. And it, by the end, it was just him against LA. It is. I mean, in terms of the all-time great goalies that I've seen play. He's up there, and he's right there near the very top of the list of all-time great goalies that's probably not going to win a cup unless he ends up somewhere really good next year. Yeah, it's unfortunately a lot of times you have a very unceremonious ending to legendary careers with one team, whether it's just you go somewhere else, you're not, you're not good enough anymore, or your play just deteriorates to the point where people kind of turn on you in the short term until you know, you've retired for a couple of years and then all is, fun, all is well again. But to Craig's point, with all the goalies that are going to be out there, I, I don't. I mean, there's. I don't think there's a starting job out there for him. I'm not even mm-hmm. sure there's a forty percent and a sixty forty job out there for him at this point. Uh, do I think he plays? Yes, but uh, I, I'm not sure that there. I, I think it, we're talking, barring injury, we're talking maybe a fifteen, sixteen, seventeen start type season from him next year. What I I don't want to see, and I, and we I don't think we will see this. I don't want to see him end up on a team like Detroit, though, or somebody, or like Buffalo. You know what I mean? Where it's just right. like, yeah, don't know, even do that. Why? Yeah, Why would you like, do that? I mean, I want to see Lundqvist if he's going to play, even if he's a backup, which I agree he, that's what he'll be. To be a backup on a team that at least has playoff aspirations, and they're not delusional in having those aspirations, and maybe he gets into some key games in the playoffs or whatever. You know what I mean? But. He's not going to go to a situation like Detroit where he probably could be the starter and he would lose 85% of the game he, he plays no matter what he does. So speaking of Buffalo, Jack Eichel, um, this seems fairly inevitable at a certain point, doesn't it? There's talk now this week that he wants out, but then he's like, oh, no, I didn't really – I don't know that I want him. Yet, well, thank God does. for Bob McKenzie, right? I yeah. mean, we're going to miss Bob McKenzie when he actually goes into full retirement because, you know, Bob makes a quick call and clears up all these rumors yeah. in just a series of tweets. Okay, it's not that real. I mean, they were listening, so you wonder if there's a little bit of – why, you know, I heard some narratives out there like, well, maybe they just wanted to gauge his value. Well, why would you do that unless you were maybe thinking about it? So just want to feel it, good about what they have. Yeah, maybe. Or, or maybe they just were waiting to see if somebody could, you know, would really knock their socks off with an mm-hmm. offer. And then maybe you think about it. But it's hard to envision a, a franchise center moving. It just, it just doesn't happen very often. The, the bigger story for me here is when this when this all sort of broke a few days ago, my immediate reaction was, oh, yeah, Jack Eichel's in the league. And you think about, I mean, how big of a deal it was for him to get drafted and Connor McDavid to get drafted and how, you know, look, around Arizona, we all wanted McDavid, certainly, but I think we all expected, hey, we'll at least get Jack Eichel, and that's just fine. And if you look at Eichel, if you watch him play, he hasn't been a disappointment. He's, he's very good, yeah. but he is just 
buried in Buffalo right now. That's, that, that's the way to describe it. But Jamie can speak to that better yeah, than anyone. Just, it's, the teammates around him haven't been great. Uh, the organization has been run terribly. Um, at, look, they deserve what they got for the way that they ended that season uh, to get Eichel in the first place. Uh, it, it was an absolute embarrassment. So they, they deserve to be in hockey purgatory for the next several years. But uh, I, I can't imagine he gets moved. I, I really can't. Um, at least not in the short term. If we're, if we're still a couple years down the road, maybe I could see that happening, but I, I don't see it right now. Cause I still think that I still think that they think they can be a playoff contender. They play stretches of the season well enough. They play well at home. So that gives them this, these false confidence that they're anything more than a bottom of the barrel NHL team, which is really all they are. And really all they have been for the last, you know, in the recent past. Love it. Jamie going out, taking shots at Buffalo, just the way it's meant to be. Look, just look at the, I have bets with people at work about the Sabres all the time. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You're going to be a lot closer Thanks. to Buffalo. I'd just like to point that out. People can yeah, watch you. I'll, I'll be going there easily. equally as amount of times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm, I look forward to the Sabres starting next year, 7-2, and two, and people being like, is this finally yeah. the year we're going to get 7-2, and 5-0 at home, and everybody yeah. loses their minds, and they go on the road, and then they never win a road game again. Like, yeah, I, I'm not doing Same that. story every year. Yeah. Unless they add Taylor Hall and Darcy Kemper in the offseason. Are we going to see – are we going to see an active offseason? There's so much chatter always. Are, are we going to see it with a flat cap? Are we actually going to see a bunch of trades and a bunch of free agent signings? What do you guys think? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I think we're going to see an active offseason. Something's going to have to happen with Taylor Hall and Alex Petrangelo. Yeah. And, I mean, there are some big names out there. Corey so. Krug. Yeah. yeah. Good, D, so, good D market as well. Yeah. What's that? And teams in cap trouble. Like that. Yeah. When you, some of these teams have to make some moves. So yeah. whenever these general managers are forced to do something, like around a deadline, you always see a lot of action. So a yeah. lot of people calling up New Jersey, Ottawa, and Detroit and saying, hey, will you take this contract off your hands? Detroit's already doing it. Yep. Yeah, that's going to be Detroit's role here is basically to just balance everybody's checkbook. I don't understand how New Jersey, it looked like they had finally turned things around a couple of years ago. Not that they were in a good spot, but that they were going to stop getting worse and worse. And now they're just... I don't know what they are anymore. They're just New Jersey. They're nonlinear progression, Luke. (laughs) Okay, we're going to transition over to uh, listener questions here. But before we do that, it's going to get emotional in here because uh, Jamie. I'm already crying. I got to tell you, I looked through all the listener questions. I didn't read them because that's not my style. But I don't see Gilbert Anthony in here anywhere. So I'm hoping Gilbert is uh, is okay with what's what's happening here. But, uh, yeah, Jamie is moving. And I don't think this is like a permanent goodbye, but it's going to be a little bit different. Look, in all honesty, Jamie started this podcast. So, Jamie, I will, I will cede the floor to you for no more than five seconds. Uh, th- thank you, Luke. How, how magnanimous of you. Um, you. Well, as you know, as we've teased on the show slash flat out said before, uh, I am moving to Chicago. Uh, that is not why, uh, not necessarily why I can't do the podcast, but – uh, some other work obligations, um, as you know, have changed. If you followed my my career path or you're big into football, the fantasy football, the draft, any of that stuff, you kind of know what I'm doing at the Draft Network. I just don't have the time to consistently dedicate uh, every week to the Natty Hattie podcast. And it was getting to the point where I was starting to feel bad that you know Craig and Luke would have to adjust all of their schedules around me. And then I would inevitably, one out of every two times, have to then cancel it again, even though they worked their whole schedules around getting me on the show. Uh, so it's just because I am not doing anything professionally in the hockey world anymore, the schedule that I am operating under in the sports world is vastly different than the schedules that Luke and Craig are. 
so given that I'm going to have a long cross-country drive, uh, it broken up into two parts, and that the cup has already been awarded this year, this was kind of like a good transition point. Uh, I do still plan on being a guest on the show. I still plan on making some appearances, but this will be my last episode as a full-time co-host. Um, so it's been, I want to, you know, say thank you to all the listeners that have been with us for a long time, all the way back to when Luke and I started the Today Slapshot podcast, <laughs> uh, which is what this was originally, uh, from the FanRag Sports offices uh, on the, as we've mentioned, on the unbelievably uncomfortable red and black leather couches uh, in the podcast room. Uh, Craig joined us very shortly afterward. Uh, from a distance because he never wanted to sit near us up on the little stage area that we had. So it was always like a whisper for him. But I mean, he joined us in, the, I believe in the single digit episodes. Like it was really, it was, cool. I think it was the third episode. Yeah. It was like third or three. Yeah. Um, no, I, I've had a blast doing this podcast. I think we've cultivated a very fun community of hockey fans, uh, predominantly Coyotes fans, but hockey fans in general. And I think because we have covered the entire league, that is the consistent feedback we get is that we, you know, we, help scratch the uh, the coyotes itch but then also talk about the rest of the league in uh, you know I, I would like to say an informed entertaining way i mean i guess that's up to, to you guys but if you're still listening after however many number of episodes because I, I did see a full breakdown of of luke's episode numbers that was tweeted at us uh, that's tremendous work that but from you know natty hattie bingo to all, everything else that that we've done to our little meet our meet up in gilbert uh that we did a few that we did a I don't even know how long ago then to our, ago. our yeah. live show at uh, behind the mask out in Chandler. Um, I mean, there, there's been a, it's been a man. We've done the show for a long time. Yeah. Um, and there's some synchronicity too, of like our first show was talking about how good like Steven Stamkos was. And then our last talking about Steven Stamkos winning the cup for the first time is, or last show for me is the first time uh, of Steven Stamkos winning the cup. So uh, just want to say I've, I've been really appreciative of, of this podcast growing of all the inside jokes. I think the last year and a half to two years has really been special uh, where all the listeners have bought into the inside jokes that we have and they're tweeting at us and they've become things they've carried beyond just the, the hour, hour and a half long show that we do each week. But um, so thank you for that. I will still be around. I will still make appearances on the show, but I will not be a regular co-host anymore. It just, it's not fair to everybody involved. Um, and that will be it. So somebody else will have to take my place to champion the flag of nonlinear progression going forward. I can tell you, Sebastian uh, already texted me earlier today and said, I'll do it. Wow. <laughs> so, that doesn't surprise not me. even wait for the body to culture. Cool. Not even gone. <laughs> you know, he put, you know, that's Sebastian. You know, he puts on this like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just little old Sebastian from Sweden. But wow. no, this goes right in there. He does. Oh, Sebastian well, doesn't mention that. That's less time than it took to replace a Supreme Court justice. Well, wow. <laughs> mm. oh boy. Uh, Jamie, I will give you all the credit in the world. I have a lot of great stuff to say about you. I'm not going to say it while you're here, obviously. Yeah, you're not going to say it. We're not going to say it on, like, where it's on record where it can no, be brought up against no. you. But the one thing I will say, I give you all the credit in the world for somehow planning this move, even though it was months and months in advance to coincide three days after the Stanley cup was awarded. That is, that is a, just an amazing touch right there at the end. We set the agenda. It, it's also perfect to perfectly coincide with the turning of the weather in Arizona for it to become great. And probably the weather to turn crappy in Chicago. So <laughs> congratulations oh, yeah. on that too. Yeah. Leaving after the most 110 plus degree days in Arizona history to mm-hmm. then walk into a Chicago winter coming up. But the best, the best pizza plan. in the world. So there's that. That is, well, uh, yeah. I almost had you. You almost, almost, you almost said yes. Hot dogs in the world. <laughs> New Yorker in Chicago. This, this really, I feel like sending Jamie to Chicago completes one of those Coyotes Blackhawks trades that involved Laurent Dauphin. 
So I feel like Jamie was one of the players to be named later, and now he's going to Chicago. Uh, that's good, Laura. I haven't thought so, about that one in a while. Uh, it's, been, it's been a minute. So I'll stick around for some few of these listener questions before I bid adieu. And like I said, you'll, you'll hear from me from time to time. Uh, I will pop up on the show. But uh, as, a, as a guest calling in remotely, I guess everybody's remote now, but when things get back to whatever the new normal is going to be, uh, calling in, because uh, I imagine at some point you and Craig are going to be doing this from from the studio again, like yeah. old days. But maybe, uh, yeah. Luke, you have that soft uh, "I will remember you" fade out planned. Um, I, I'll try and edit that in at the very okay. end. Yeah, Perfect. and also uh, whenever Jamie calls in when we get back to normal, we're not doing this over Zoom. I'll make sure I give you the hat store num- uh, phone number to call into again, like uh, you did yes. last. Time. <laughs> yes, yes. That guy was not happy. With you. Which <laughs> somehow was literally walking distance from where I was living. I just never knew it existed. Oh yeah, no. We, I mean, for people. That don't know that inside joke jamie called in as a guest once and instead of giving him the station phone number i gave him the number to i think it was just the hat store right it was some hat yeah. place it, it's and just it a was giant a block sign on this house hats <laughs> it's amazing and the guy was not happy when you called them no he was not all right so let's start with seth with it's real jamie with, yeah that's what it was with real jamie leaving will napkin jamie be making a return i feel like at some point yeah probably but yeah, Napkin Jamie, which was drawn on a Panera napkin in uh, West Phoenix by Craig Morgan. Yeah, but, <laughs> but not, not to be mistaken with a Panarin napkin. No, no, sure. no, no. That, that, would be was, worth, uh, that would be worth something. That's what Chicago fans cried into when he got traded away for Brandon Song. <laughs> um, Rose, is there an unnamed duck left so that we can call Maddie, or well, would it be Mikey? There's a lot in the background today if you saw what I just tweeted, Rose. There are plenty of ducks that need names. Plenty of ducks also that need good homes. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to start a duck adoption agency here, and the Penguins just keep making trades that I don't fully understand. Um, uh, Sebastian did tweet in, and it wasn't like, get Jamie out of there. It was, I'm assuming Craig will sing the song in its entirety, and Luke will be playing the flute. Is this the uh, Sarah McLaughlin song you, uh, you tweeted the video out for? Okay. Um, Coyote and Philly. Now who's going to answer my Pokemon questions on a hockey podcast? I'm a mess over here, Jamie, a mess. Also have fun in Chicago. I can answer that definitively. Um, no one. <laughs> I was say, uh, somebody's going to have to pick up the ball for all these cross sport and Pokemon hockey references. Like I just, you know, I've been carrying the load on that front for years now on my back. That burden has been mine, but somebody's gonna have to carry the load here. All the Pokemon yeah, questions that do it. Yeah, well, I can do the cross sports. When people send in the Pokemon questions, I'll save them for when you call in, and it'll just be a Pokemon episode, basically. Um, Booper, will Craig be allowed to crash on Jamie's couch when he visits Chicago? Yes, but Craig knows way more people in Chicago than I do, so I doubt he's going to need that. You never know, man. You never know. In a good spot. Come watch. I'm I'm a 15-minute walk from Soldier Field. Go on. Yeah, and I do like your location. You You have a good location. How much longer are you going to be watching Mitch Trubisky at Soldier Field, do you think? Is that a question for me or for... Well, I mean, you're not going to have to watch him at all this week. Unless you're going to I, watch I stopped him. watching him. <laughs> um, Chris and Phoenix, I'm already wiping away the tears with a napkin jummy. I like it. See, those are the inside jokes from yeah. the listeners, that online community. Uh, Coaches Jack, good luck to Mr. Eisner in his future endeavors. So that was very professional for this show. Good luck, Jesse. Say, everybody's very nice. This is this is weird. I don't I don't I don't know if I like this. Uh, Michael, well, we have to wait to see where Pat Maroon signs before we know who's going to win the cup next season. Hmm. So I like that Pat Maroon at least wins it. He it's like the anti Hosa. 
for a yes. little bit there. It was like, you just knew Hosmer hey, was going to hey, be in the hey, cup. Hey, hey, he got it. He hey, was fine. He did. Yeah, or Eventually. like Reggie Sanders, who just went to playoff teams but didn't win. That's a fun one. Well, he did win wow. with the Diamondbacks, so. That was an abstract reference. That was, yeah, that was, uh, I like that one. Craig's that was picking of, up the multi-sport. He's going to start with Reggie go. Sanders. Yeah. Um, I've exhausted yeah, my material. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Joseph, so are you saying there's an opening for a co-host? Is any experience in sports required or just someone nope. who's super opinionated and can do Cole Harbor impressions suffice? No experience <laughs> necessary, clearly. Hashtag, hashtag yeah. buy other guy. <laughs> I'll be closer to Cole Harbor. Well, it, it was nice. It was nice for a while, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, we, we had a run. No, that's fine. I said, this is getting weird. We needed – where, where's everybody else? Uh, I do appreciate the nice comments, but no, I, I, I that's not our listeners. Um, here's Tyler. Have you pulled any Halloween pranks? If you have, what have you done? Hmm. I really done any Halloween no, pranks? No, not really. My yeah. freshman year of college, our neighbor in our dorm was was very intense on doing a an April Fool's prank. So he set up. It took him the entire day, like nine hours. He missed all of his classes setting up a bucket of water above our door. So when people walked in, it would spill everywhere, except it was spilling all over our carpet. And the only person that ever actually ended up hitting was him. Mm. It's not really a Halloween prank, but that's just, that's, there's a small slice of my college experience at ASU. Uh, let's see, Jamie, you got one more here. One more. Um, Justin, now who are you all going to pick on? Jamie, he just won't be able to answer it. Yeah, they'll, they'll just they'll just do it via text. I imagine you're going to have a lot more screenshots of text conversations from Luke, and that's something we have teased before um, of doing and seeing like what we can do. But now that you know Craig works for the people and Luke, I'm, Luke is Luke. Luke Luke doesn't say anything controversial ever. Usually, like unless like nothing that's going to ruin his job. I Luke's pretty that's even intelligence. Too. I say the stupid stuff. Like Luke's pretty like you know professional. Well, I, I mean relatively. Um, I mean, relative to me. Yeah. I mean, if that's where the bar is, I can clear that bar because it's just yeah. hang on the ground. Uh, Chris, this is like when Farrah Fawcett left Charlie Angels. Wow. I already responded to this one. Okay. Craig like, wrote back, same hair too. <laughs> uh, right? And, and I also I feel like this is like, I feel like this moment is like when the original Steve left Blue's Clues, except I don't have like a drug charge I'm dealing with. Uh, it's just like I'm just moving. Wow. But a- yeah. Just uh, uh, that hurt. That hurt. Actually, that was a big part of my daughter's childhood. And then, yeah, things I like Sal for Steve. The Instagram account they kept tweeting out Blues Clues, except it was Blues Lose every time they got uh, knocked out in the playoffs. There. For a Speaking while. of that, and I'll end on this because there's no better way to to leave than with just complete nonsense. Hmm. Uh, it makes sense given the times that we're in, but I was a little disappointed to find out that apparently uh, not only is Blues but Blues Clues is on the air still, which is okay, fine, but they get emails now. Like they don't, they don't deliver mail to the mailbox anymore. Oh. I feel like that was a staple of the show, and I get why they don't do that because, oh, especially with the postal service issues now, it might take three weeks. That's true. So, that's yeah. true. But uh, I was very disappointed to learn that. I felt like that was an, that was an integral part of the show that got that got lost. Blues Clues now should just be a show that talks about where Alex Petrangelo is going to sign through a series of clues. I, that's that is a show I would watch. All right, Jamie, do you want to, I mean, there's more here that we're going to answer. Is this, do you really want to go out on Blue's Clues? I feel like that's fitting for you, or you can answer a few more of these. If you no, want. I feel like I should go out on, uh, go out on Blue's Clues. So uh, thank you, everybody, that's, that's listened. Uh, obviously, keep listening, because you'll get real answers coming up here from Craig and Luke. But uh, <laughs> I appreciate all the, all the kind words, and obviously, I'll still be around and still talking hockey, but just not on an every single week basis. So thank you, everybody.
What would you say if I told you I had forgot to hit record for the last 45 minutes? Uh, I can see it literally in the top left of the screen. So oh, it literally wow. says it. it's a flashing. Like everybody know how, knows how Zoom works now. Like it Would, Wouldn't it be fitting, though, after all the episodes Jamie lost when we started the show, if I lost this episode? That is true. Lost. That'd be yeah. cruel. No, I, I wouldn't be a fan of that. Oh, okay. Well, see, you're saved by Craig, Jamie. If Craig doesn't like it, That's I, can't, true. I can't offend him now because he's the only other host. Well, all right, remember Jamie. me as I was. I'm not going to say I'm not going to sing. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Adios, Jamie. Everyone. Bye, Jamie. Everybody. Have a good one. Have a Safe good one. travels. He's gone. Oh, just like that. He is gone. I, just like I, that. I it's over. I didn't think he'd ever leave. Wow. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, okay. Um, uh, now it feels empty in here. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try and hold it together for the last few questions. <laughs> All right. Paul. How does uh, Armstrong and Podolsky? I, <laughs> I promised myself I wouldn't cry. Um, how does Armstrong and Podolsky not being allowed to work the draft work in practical terms? I think the line is difficult to define and enforce. That's a really good question. I'm going to try and write about it on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Earlier this week, Coyote's Twitter account released a video of a young Todd Walsh interviewing Keith Kachuk and rocking a magnificent mullet. The people want to know, do any of you ever rock a mullet? This is from Eric. I have never had a mullet. I, I am proud to say I've never had a mullet. By the way, Daryl Plandowski, who we just talked about, also rocked a mullet while he was playing at Northern Michigan. I have a photo oh. to prove it. Nice, nice. That's a good way to, to, to begin his time in Arizona with a mullet photo. Yeah, I've never had a mullet. Um, I feel like as some sort of going away present, Jamie should have had to shave his hair into a mullet because he would have had a glorious, like, like prime 1985 hairband mullet if he did that. Gives me an idea, though, because my daughters are really good with Photoshop. So nice. I may yeah. pursue that. In case he ever releases that picture of you wearing the pink cat ears on your headphones. <laughs> um, Jan Yannick fan club leader. One line stuck out to me from Craig Morgan's recent article on OEL, the line about good coaches getting the most out of their players, et cetera. Do you guys agree with that? And if so, should talk it be replaced? And also best of wishes to Jamie on all future endeavors. A lot. I don't know, man. It's uh, it's one opinion in many. And I know Rick Tockett has his detractors. I, I do think that the coaching staff made several adjustments last season. We talked about some of them, uh, the way they, attacked the neutral zone. They, they, they adjusted that. They adjust, adjusted some things in their defensive zone coverage. So I just, I think it's an easy narrative to lay this on the coach. I think he shares some blame without question for Oliver not performing up to uh, the level that we had expected of him. But, you know, Oliver shares some of that blame too. And, and look, the situation is also tough. Oliver's been here for a long time with a franchise that just keeps taking steps backward when you think they're moving forward. As I've said many times, the Coyotes' experience wears on you, man. It, it has worn out a lot of people, a lot of good people. It is a tough situation to go year after year wondering if you're ever going to take a step forward. And, and at points, I think, even as someone else alluded to in that story, I wrote, losing hope, just not seeing hope. Yeah, I, I agree that it's it's tough to just blame this on Rick Tockett. I understand how people could connect those dots. But, I mean, some players – I mean, first of all, that's entirely possible that Oliver Ekman Larson is playing with the Coyotes next year and he plays better. That, that's the, we're, I don't want to sit here and do this show like the, a trade is done, but the talk is out there and it's not just quiet like rumors that one or two people from somebody's basement in Quebec are putting out there. These are actual rumors. Now, we'll see if anything happens with it, but – you know, sometimes players, certain players and coaches fit better together than others. Oliver Ekman-Larsen fit very well with Dave Tippett. 
Dave Tippett, it just, I don't know, they just clicked. And that doesn't mean Rick Tockett's a bad coach or Oliver's a bad player for not being able to play to the same level under Rick Tockett. Uh, I am interested to see where this goes, though, because you're talking about the captain of your team and your very clear number one defenseman who I think it's easy for people to look and be like, well, he's not scoring as much now. He's your number one defenseman, not your center, not your winger. His job is to slow down Alex Ovechkin and Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby when they come to town. And a lot of times he does that. I mean, nobody can slow down McDavid, but a lot of times Oliver is a big part of that. You have to look beyond just goals and assists with a defenseman. So, yeah, <laughs> take that. Uh, non-linear donut ball delivery. I like the, uh, I like the title. I, Luke, uh, uh, are you? Is there, are we going somewhere with that, or is that just a, somebody just said that? I, that no, that's the name. Okay, that's, oh, that, that's name. Yeah. the Twitter handle. That's an yes. excellent Twitter handle. Uh, Luke, are you? I just randomly said that. Luke, are you emotionally recovered enough from the Patrick Hornquist trade to be recording? I think there ought to be a federally mandated waiting period before you can record an episode after the Penguins acquire an overpaid, underperforming defenseman. Yeah, I'm numb to it at this point. <laughs> I, I don't like. I said. I don't hate this deal as much as some of the other moves they've made in recent years, uh, i.e. acquiring Jack Johnson. But I don't fully understand all the stuff they're doing right now. I mean, it's, it's relatively minor stuff. Hornquist was a big part of the, uh, the two cups they won in 16 and 17. He's not the same player now that he was then. But they, you know, we talk about some of the moves the Coyotes could potentially make. They are franchise-altering moves one way or the other if they make them. With the Penguins, they're just kind of – they've got very little wiggle room around the cap, and I think they're just trying to change things because they haven't won – they've – what, they've won one playoff game out of the last eight, nine or something, ten. So I've blocked out the actual number, but I think they're just trying to wiggle around a little bit just so they can make changes for the sake of making them. Uh, Brandon, if Armstrong decides to hire his own coach, as many new GMs like to do, does that significantly increase the chances that Kessel gets dealt I'm liking the look of him in Florida reunited with his buddy Hornquist. Wow. I just think the Phil Kessel contract, at least this year, is going to be really hard to move. First of all, yeah. he's got some protection in his contract. And secondly, well, he's making he's he's due a lot of money and he he didn't do much last season. So that that's a tough contract to move. Yeah, that's one of those things where you just need Kessel to produce for you next season. I don't know if there's a whole lot you can do with it. Starts uh, by training, starts by training over the next few months. Well, actually get in shape. I, yeah, I meant there's not a whole lot the Coyotes can do about it. Yeah. Uh, also from Brandon, what song never fails to bring a tear to your eye every time you hear it? Always on my mind just came on the radio, and I'm writing this through sobs. Wow. I appreciate you writing through the sobs, Brandon. I'm not sure there's a song that makes me sob. Although now, now the Sarah McLaughlin song probably will, now that Jamie's gone. Brandon Sob sounds a lot like Brandon Sod. I do like Brandon Sob though. That's good. Um, Bobby Big Wheel, a.k.a. Tom J. think we all agree that the Coyotes need to get meaner, bigger, and add leaders with a winning pedigree. Can they get there in five off-season transactions? If so, how do they do it? Example, trade X, sign Y, release Z, or any combination of transactions? Answer, no. They can't get there in five <laughs> off-season moves. No, that's not happening in five off-season moves. But, yes, they need to get bigger, nastier. Bill Armstrong has said that. In certain areas, the Coyotes need more size. He has said that. He talked specifically about some of the players on the Blues who bring that sort of edge to a game where you know you're going to get it run at certain points. So you better uh, respect that. You better be aware of it. it. It changes the complexion of a game. Yeah, I think that they need a little bit more of that. They need some of that on the blue line. 
And they could probably use a forward who can give you that sort of element in front of the net. Yeah. Um, and here, he tried. He said, I'll try. I'll sign William Car- uh, Carrier, trade Kemper to the Wild for Jordan Greenway and Devin Dubnik, trade Keller to St. Louis for Shen, sign Radko Gudis, trade OEL for Brandon Carlo or Jake DeBrusque and a lottery ticket. Um, no. Gives you more nastiness. I don't know what it does for your the quality of your team. I mean, yeah. getting Braden Shen for Clayton Keller is not happening, but – but the overall one, I'm not going to trade OEL just for Brandon Carlo. Um, yeah. yeah, you or, need another piece. Or Kemper for Greenway. But right, but right. I do like the way he's thinking. And, and we haven't really got to talk a whole lot about Armstrong. I mean, we have future episodes to do that too. But we got like our first real impression of him since the last time we did the show. And I do like his energy. I like, I like a lot of the things he has said. I mean, you can't judge a GM hiring based on the press conference. But – to your point right there, Craig, I mean, Armstrong has said, yeah, we probably need to get a little more, just more mean physical up front. Not, not at the expense of talent or goals, but there is a way to do it. I don't think that's the hardest thing in the world to acquire. I mean, it's easier than acquiring a number one center or a number one defenseman. And I do think that is going to fall more in line with Rick Tockett's philosophy for how he played the game and how he wants his team to play the game. And you and I and, and Jamie have talked about this on the show before, even before these playoffs, we have seen big physical teams push the Coyotes around before. Doesn't mean you need to go out and get fighters. You don't need to get guys that are going to get suspended. But you can't just have Lawson Kraus and Oliver Ekman Larson out <laughs> yeah, there that, trying to enforce. Yeah, that was a problem having OEL being your most physical defenseman. That that can't happen. They they need that element on the blue line without a doubt. Yeah. Um, Adam says, thanks, Jamie. Best of luck in Chicago. Do you guys think it's more likely we see major Coyotes moves before the draft, after the draft, or is it still unclear how teams are adjusting to the flat cap? I would still expect it before the draft. I know that's coming up really quickly, but that's usually when it happens because you're trying some – some of your moves involve acquiring draft picks, and you know that, that doesn't necessarily happen after the draft, although I suppose it could. This is a bizarre year where I think everything's going to get extended a little bit. I've heard agents say that they think free agency is going to be extended a little bit longer than normal. And and maybe with the way the Coyotes are thinking, maybe you want to acquire draft picks for down the road rather than draft picks for this draft when your GM and your director of amateur scouting are not taking part in it. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> you can't, I mean, it's, it's just all uh, – Steve Sullivan has obviously done a lot of homework on this draft. He was already doing it, but it's like – Bill Armstrong, one of his biggest strengths is his ability to scout and draft, and they can't allow him to do that in five days. Um, Okay, we only have a couple left. Dustin, no questions. Just wanted to thank Jamie Eisner for his excellent work with the Natty Hattie. Best wishes you as you move onward. And then somebody responded, Tony responded, said that's a Jamie Eisner Stan account. Uh, I second comments. Good luck, and may your life not be filled with nonlinear regression. That's a lot of double negatives. Um, Alex BLM vote by November 3rd. No. Can Jamie still call in occasionally or is this a permanent thing? Well, I think we've addressed that. Jamie's Jamie's not moving to Mars. Right. And well, Jamie thinks he'll be able to call in. Yeah. That, periodically. I mean, That's we, we've left him with that belief. <laughs> We're just not going to give him the right number. And, uh, Ian said, thanks for the good times, Jamie and best of luck. Any plans for replacements or will it just be Luke and Craig in the meantime? I think we're still working on that. Yeah. TBD. Yeah. We'll see what, what comes up. Okay. All right. Well, this was uh, fun. This is a fun season. I, I enjoyed these playoffs. I shouldn't say it was a fun season. The middle four months when there was no games, that absolutely sucked, and I hated it. But these playoffs were enjoyable, and uh, I, I think it's great to see Tampa Bay finally win the Cup. It is, and it's just a shame that we have no idea when the next season is starting. It could be a long time before we see hockey again. Yeah. 
So um, savor this. Yeah, <laughs> enjoy these last moments right now. Um, last thing, Craig, before we go, how much of what we just recorded is going to be outdated before 15 minutes from now when I try to post it? I, I, like major I, trades in the next I, 24 hours? We better get this up right away. Yeah, I'm, I'll post it in five seconds. All right, for Craig Morgan and Jamie Eisner, I'm Luke Wapinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast. And this is where you will not get a witty comment to close the show. You never did before either.